0: Waiting is a funny business. Most of the time, I think most of us are waiting, waiting for something, for the red light to turn green, for the stock market to turn around, for our health to improve, for the pandemic to end, for people to treat us the way we ought to be treated, waiting for. We imagine a state in the future where we have what we think we need and say to ourselves, then, then, then I will be happy. Waiting for, in this sense, is waiting with something definite in mind. It's motivated by a sense of incompleteness, scarcity, and, and lack. The mind doing what minds do thinks something out there will give us what we yearn for and, So we search prodigally in people, places, possessions, substances, relationships, power plays, earning praise, on and on. The strange thing about Advent waiting is that it is an entirely different species of waiting. It's a waiting upon awaiting born of non-acquisitive patience, unhorizoned by demand for something that is already given, for something already here. Turn around, change the direction. You're looking for happiness. The kingdom of God has come near. The beauty, ever ancient, ever new, is at hand. The author of the letter of James says, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. I like to think that Advent waiting is farmer waiting, gardener waiting. It's patient, attentive, attending of what we know by faith is already here. Watered with early and late rains, perhaps guarded by a a deer fence or a watchful scarecrow, we make space for he who is to come to be. To live in and through us in the manger of the heart. Advent waiting is a gathered moving into nearness, coming near to the one who has come near to us so that he might be born and recognized in the feed trough of the daily round. Teresa Vavala reminds us that the vast majority of our problems in prayer, and consequently in life, come from the perceived sense of of God's absence. We approach the spiritual journey the same way we approach everything else in consumer culture from the standpoint of lack and acquisition. We think God's absent, but of course God is never absent. The only thing that separates us from God in any situation is the thought that God is absent, that this isn't it. This red light, the gate of heaven. This toothache, the gate of heaven. This stranger plopped on the front steps, Christ himself. Even John, the master ascetic of camel hair, locusts, and wild honey fame, isn't immune. He's seen, of course, the spirit descending like a dove on Jesus and heard those words spoken from an opened heaven. You are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased. And yet, now he wonders whether he's made a final and fatal mistake. Locked away in prison with guillotine Salome sashing in the wings. John's got his doubts. Is God in this too? Can God be here with me? Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. I was in prison and you visited me. It's rather easy to experience God in the wilderness, honestly. Away from the hurly-burly of the busy city, surrounded by wind and sky and rock and sand, the raven's croak only deepening the silence, we return to ourselves, to, to simply being, and taste the trustworthy truth of quietness and rest as our salvation. When stories of God's absence fall away, or we see them for what they are, simply stories. When stories of lack, that this isn't it, fall away, or we see them for what they are, simply stories. When the grumbling stories of about how things should be fall away, or we see them for the grumbly stories that they are. When waiting for yields to simple waiting without goal or thought of lack or gain, what's left? What's left in that space? In this coming into nearness with the one who has come near, what is there to say? What is there to do? No wonder Isaiah sings of crocus, blossom, joy and singing, sheer presence. I can't help but think of Li Po, the 8th century Tang Dynasty poet, who maybe says it best in a short little four-line poem where he writes, the birds have vanished down the sky. Now the last cloud drains away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until Only the mountain remains. I look at God and God looks at me until the at falls away. And there's just the single moving into coming near, the looking. Who's looking at who? Where does one begin and the other end? I remember asking my wife, Michelle, years ago, what was the most important thing she learned in the spiritual life. If you're married to a priest, they sometimes take a poll, you know? And uh, her reply was interesting. She said, I'm not my thoughts. And I suspect now she'd say something of Jesus' love that's available to us when we're not identified with our thoughts about ourselves, our thoughts about others, the world, and, and God. But truly, but truly, before we think about it, in that good and broad land of open, spacious presence where everything is left just as it is, what's missing? Before thought jumps in to judge, grumble, sort and categorize, what's here in this pink, rosy Sunday? I think, again, that's why Isaiah Keeps pointing us to those springs of water, reeds and rushes. A jackal haunt turned to frog song swamp singing. Cross-armed waiting like this yields to a gentle coming near. Be strong and do not fear. Eyes opened, ears unstopped, leaping, leaping like a deer. What we're looking for, doing the looking. Why is the least in the kingdom of heaven greater than John the Baptist? I wonder if, if, if it's because John maybe is trying <clears throat> characteristically too hard, all the, the axes and the winnowing forks and all the rest. trying too hard at what's free and easy, freely given. I wonder if Jesus is saying it's one thing to be holy in places it's easy to be holy in. It's another to follow me into the city to dine with sinners and tax collectors. Samaritans gasp and lepers and demoniacs. It's another thing that is to follow me back into your ordinary, everyday life and learn to find me leaping there among the pots and the pans, among the popsicles and parking tickets and pick lines, among the diagnoses and dog parks, among the weeping and the dancing, among our living and our dying, watching over our going out and our coming in. Nothing missing once the story of something missing, that howling haunt of jackals, is very gently laid aside. Jesus is always, always trading the grand for the humble, the majestic for the everyday. For a cedar of Lebanon, we get a mustard plant. For Levitical purity, we get yeast 11. For dainty reserve, a dollop of mercy here, a dollop there, we get profligate, sloppy excess. An entire jar of costly nard, sloshed all over everything, the whole house heady with the fumes. For a triumphal Messiah leading Israel to military, political victory, we get a grubby Galilean. A feeding, foot-washing servant of all hanging on a tree on a garbage dump outside the walls. Is God in this too? Can God be here? Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. This curious kind of king calls us into an embrace of our ordinary life as the place of grace. This curious kind of king calls us to draw near, to come close to our life just as it is, to drop our ideas and expectations, our need for the world to conform to how we think it should be and look and see and wonder here. Our usual waiting for is a someday that never comes. Our usual waiting for blinds us to the sacredness of just this, the sanctus teaspoon wrapped three times on the mug's lip in the morning. Our usual waiting for keeps us flat-footed and unresponsive in the liturgy of the here and the now, the man cutting boxes at the food bank stops to stretch and head tipped back catches a flappy wheel of pigeons startled by a bus. Like Statler and Waldorf, those balconied peanut gallery judges hurumphing from the cheap seats in the Muppet Show. We jab and we jab and judge and spectate our way to a place separate and apart from all the fun, all the fun, the play and joyful silliness of the miracle of this everything everywhere all at once. Wonder, Heidegger says, opens what is locked. And I wonder if that's not what we're doing this Sunday opening what is locked through wonder. Wonder draws us close, opens those crossed arms into wide-flung aurons in celebration. Wonder opens us even, I'd say, to a reed shaken by the wind. That reed right there It's what I came out to see. Amen.